as you have the nature of joy you hold to be rejoicing but you see it's not enough to have the nature you must put your nature to work now because god already promised that he's going to be with us in his world till the end of days we have no cause to be sad we have every cause to rejoice. the number one thing you must treasure is god's voice god must be able to speak to you at all times a believer must be in alignment with god a believer must be able to decode god's voice. now god doesn't just give the word sometimes he gives instructions those instructions are like strategy don't just receive the promise in your heart also receive the process i want to speak to you on what i call seven worship truths or truths that you need to know about worship because we have to create time for us to actually minister to the Lord in songs. Number one, John chapter four. I want to read from verse. Um, you know the story in John chapter four. The John chapter four story talks about the woman at the well. Jesus Christ, a Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus Christ was wearied and he needed food, and then. He asked a woman, give me um, a drink. And then there was a conversation between the two of them. Um, I want to be able to pick it from somewhere. I'll be able to explain things that I need to explain to you in a proper way. All right? Just turn your Bible to John chapter 4. So Jesus replied the woman in verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will test again. Because I want to, show, I want to establish something you know, based on that. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will text again. So he's talking about the water from the well. Verse 14. And he says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never text. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life or everlasting life. So the water that Jesus Christ promised that woman, apart from, you know, um, the water that the woman was arguing about, you know, and all that. He said, we never test again. Praise the Lord. So, he says that that water becomes a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Next verse. The Bible says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not text nor come here to draw. So, the woman doesn't really understand what Jesus was trying to talk about. It doesn't mean that when you have that water, you will not need this water. But he's saying that I can see the way your life is, you are texting. There is, that appetite needs to be satisfied. The appetite is beyond natural appetite. There are certain things that you are yearning for that is only Christ that, are, that can satisfy it. You get it? That's what the Bible is saying here. And that's what Christ is trying to say. That look, there are certain needs in your life that can only be met by me. And once you have this water of life, which is the spirit of life, you know, right there, you will start experiencing certain things unto everlasting life, all right, um, you know, daily in your life. You will never, you will never be thirsty. Like, even if you have needs, it will be met. All right, there's a vacuum in that woman's life that needs to be filled. That's what Jesus Christ is talking about. So, but the woman didn't really understand. He said, sir, give me this water that I may not test. I mean, if it has stopped there, you think the woman understands. He said, no, come here to draw. You see that? So the woman thought that once I take this H2O from Christ, so it's H2O the woman thought, you know, that Christ will give. 
But it's not, it wasn't talking about H2. It wasn't talking about the natural water. It's talking about the spring of life. Alright? The next verse. And the Bible says that Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. So Jesus realized that she didn't really understand. And then Jesus switched. Go call your husband and come here. Yes, next verse. And he said, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. Now, the next verse. I mean, it's good to have five husbands and still be saying the truth. I have no husband. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know there are sinners that speak the truth. And there are saints that lie against the truth. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. It's somebody else's husband. Probably. The one whom you now have is not your husband. You are yet to marry that one. In that you spoke truly. Yes? So, Jesus acknowledged the fact that, look, you were sincere, and then you spoke what was right. And the woman says to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Next verse. And then he says, Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem. So the woman switched. So I perceive you are a prophet. So our father worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So this woman had this question in her heart. And, you know, from give me a drink and then the woman was wondering who are you unlike Rebecca that will give the drink and say oh do you have disciples they are coming okay let me fetch for them do you remember the story so the woman said no these are our own water so there was this put now I don't need to be theological about what I want to share with you about that so there's no need for now because what we are going after is this our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. So Jesus said, Believe me. Now, our father said, Woman, your father said, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So that was a dispute. That they have to worship in Jerusalem, eh, in Samaria, eh, Samaria is Jerusalem, in Samaria. So Jesus is, look, you are talking in the realm of men. Men are, I mean, you have disputes, you have arguments, you have, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about religion. The hour is coming. So Jesus Christ was talking about what is death and resurrection was going to birth. The hour is coming, and when you will neither on this mountain, and you know Jesus was not tribalistic. Jesus was not a nationalist in this statement. Jesus wasn't saying that the hour is coming where from Jerusalem you worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus counseled the two centers, praise God. He said, whether Samarian center or Jerusalem center, this is not the true worship. This is not what the true worship is all about. So Jesus said, The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. The next verse. And he says, You worship what you do not know. This is where the problem is. So your worship is religious. You don't actually know what you worship. 
You are just worshipping. It looks like the people who started this thing are the ones that really knew what it means to worship. You just inherited religion and you follow suit. You just inherited religion. And that's why wherever there is the spirit of the Lord, there is not just going to be only liberty. There will always be flexibility. There will always be reality. The word reality is an interpretation of truth. Christianity to you will not look like something that is, you are rigid, you are religious, it's not clear to you, it's a vague something. It will be real to you. You have a perception in your spirit. You worship, you worship, we worship what we know. You worship what you do not know. We worship what, we worship, we know what we worship. For salvation is for the Jews. Now, it's of the Jews. So he's talking about the prophetic now. The salvation is coming and it's going to come through the Jews. And now look at it in this verse. And now say, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit. In when the true worshippers, now the hour, is, the, the hour is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Now, this is number one. God seeks, God desires and seeks true worshippers. Now, how we got here now should be clear to you that God does not seek religious worshippers. God does not seek Siberian worshiper, Jerusalem worshiper. He seeks the true worshiper. He doesn't seek traditionalistic worshiper, churchialistic worshiper. He seeks the true worshiper. He desires and seeks the true worshiper. Now, there is something I need you to know about this is the sincerity with which you worship, the open-mindedness. Let it be clear to you, it's not seeking a perfect worshiper. Now, I want you to understand. God knows that we're in a world that is full of perversion, and there are many things will text us, many things will tempt us. In some cases, you fall. In some cases, you stand. We prayed for God's mercy, and because we know what we want to do, we want our hearts to be in it. We want a kind of a divine impartation and enabling from our within to connect with divinity. You know, Bible says that he has not given us the spirit of bondage. We'll come back to this place. Can you quickly give us Romans chapter 8 from verse 14? Romans chapter 8 from verse 14. There is a bond between you and the Father that does not make you to live a religious life. He said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Somebody say, I'm a son of God. Can you say it louder? If you are bored about this, can you say it again? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. These are sons of God. Verse 15, listen. He said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. 
Bible says the perfect love casts out what? Fear. So we are in the love of the Father. Somebody say, I'm in the love of the Father. Say it louder. Say, I'm in the love of the Father. Say, I'm in love with the Father. So there is no fear. So because perfect love casts out fear. So you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. This is worship. You see that? So in worship, fear is not allowed. You cry out, Abba, Father. You minister to the Lord from your spirit. For God is your Father. Somebody say, God is my Father. Say it louder. Say, God is my Father. You know, in 1 John chapter 3, if you read from verse 1, he said, One manner of love Christ has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Praise God. We are children of God. Regardless of what you've been through, regardless of mistakes you've made, regardless of whatever, God is not going to cast you out. So you must get that straight. So you don't have to be religious about coming to your father. Bible says, come to the throne of grace and obtain mercy that you may find help in times of need. So what devil wants to do is to hold you back, all right, by reminding you of your past, but you must be bold at the throne of grace and remind the devil of his destination. Glory to God. You know devil's destination? So number one, you must get the number one. Say, he seeks true worshiper. He desires true worshiper. Do you want me to tell you the good news? Is that God has found true worshippers. God has found true worshippers. If you believe that, can you say amen? amen? Do you know who true worshippers are? We had a true worshipper. Glory to God. Are you glad about that? Somebody say, I'm the true worshipper. Say it louder. Say, I'm a true worshipper. You had a true worshipper. Can that be true? With all that I've been doing, with all that I've been through, can I be true worshiper? Yeah. Somebody say, yeah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you believe you are a true worshiper? No, 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 no. Ah, that's not a good answer. Do you believe you are a true worshiper? Yeah. Come on, rejoice. I'm a true worshiper. Glory to God. <laughs> God need not seek true worshippers somewhere else. I am ready for him. I'm a true worshipper. Nothing is going to hold me down. Nothing is going to help hold me bound. I'm a true worshipper. I won't close my mouth. I won't say because of what I've done in the past. Even if you did something this morning. Amen. You are a true worshipper. That's the good news. You know, he, he got true worshipper when he resurrected. And the apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost. They couldn't be true worshippers in the whole testament because they were not filled with the Holy Ghost. For Christ to have said true worshippers, there are worshippers that are true worshippers. So for you to have true worshippers in the scripture, it means that there are false worshippers. It means religious worshippers. Because in context, if you look at it, Worship on this mountain, worship on that mountain, you know. Some people, if they don't face a direction, you know, they will not, you know, God will not. Are you getting what I'm saying? If they don't face, you get. Some people, their own is, you know, according to the sunset, according to this, according. He said, true worshiper is in the spirit and truth. It has nothing to do with a natural habitation. It's all about supernatural habitation. That's a true worship. 
And what is our supernatural habitation? In him. Somebody say in him. Yes. Somebody say I'm in him. Yes. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. You worship in Christ. Are you sure you're in Christ? Yes. You need to know you're in Christ. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I like to have, he's a true worshiper. You're a true worshiper. Even regardless of the needs in your life, you're a true worshiper. It may not even look like things are working. People might even misunderstand you. They might have different opinions about you. They can criticize, they can blackmail, slander, do all kinds of stuff. So far you are in Christ. You are in Christ and you are conscious of his love. You are a true worshiper. Somebody say I'm a true worshiper. Say the Lord has found me. Look at your neighbor. Say the Lord has found me. Say I am found by God as a true worshiper. Say the Lord sought for me and he found me. And there is nothing devil can do. There is nothing anybody can do about it. Praise God. (laughs) I'm a true worshiper. Glory to God. I hope that is clear. Verse 24. It said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and reality. Truth. In spirit and in reality, you know who you worship. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know the Father. Your spirit cries to Him as Haba. Ah, let me tell you if you don't understand the power of worship, you'll be stressed. You'll be stressed. There are so many things that want to stress you out. You'll be disturbed, confused, perturbed. You'll be cringing, full of fear. Worship is powerful. Glory to God. So can you see, it's the life that Christ has come to give us. It's a life. It's more than a song. Number two. Worship is our default setting and lifestyle. Worship is our default setting and lifestyle. Worship is our default setting and lifestyle. But this is where it started from. It's our default setting and lifestyle. You know, Bible says, the Father seeketh such, and he has found us. And now did he find us by translating us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We are in the kingdom of light now. We are in the light. Somebody say, I'm in the light. Somebody say, I'm justified. Say, I'm free from sin. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I have the nature of God. Say, I am full of the Spirit. Say, I am in the spirit and I'm in the truth so I can worship the Father. You see, primarily we are recreated in Christ Jesus to worship. We are recreated. You see, the journey of the Israelite from Egypt to the Canaan land is just the translation from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It took them 40, 40, 40 years how long does it, did it take you to, to be born again? How long did it take you? He's less than a second. Glory to God. Father, I believe you with my heart. I confess you with my mouth. I received the life of Jesus and I'm born again. Shephani, you're born again. God does not need Yaba train to transport you from the kingdom of light, from the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of lights. 
Glory to God. You know you have a train? <laughs> Are you still here? Say, worship is my default setting. Say, worship is my lifestyle. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. That's why it is more than a song. It's more than a song. It's the life you live. Bible says, for we are the circumcision, we are the circumcision. We are being circumcised spiritually. It means that spiritually, you have migrated from the kingdom of darkness, you are now in the kingdom of light. Alright? You are full of the spirit. You are full of the spirit. So Paul was telling the Philippians, you know, Gentile churches, who normally would have been introduced to, to the law, introduced to the law of Moses, and then be told to circumcise in order to be part of the covenant. He said, look, there are charlatans out there. There are mutilators. There are dogs. Beware of them. They try to impose law where grace abounds. And let me tell you, you cannot be a true worshiper in the law. You cannot be a true worshiper under the law. And thanks be unto God. He said, let no sin have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, you are under the grace. Somebody say, I'm under the grace. Somebody say, I am graced. I am full of grace. I am made of grace. Can you say amen? amen. Yeah. So that's what the Bible says. Say, we are the circumcision. We are full of grace. You don't need to be circumcised naturally to be part of the covenant. You are a product of the covenant. You are born into communion. You are born into a relationship, into an intimacy. It was covenant that gave birth to communion of the spirit. The covenant God struck with Abraham gave birth to Jesus. You see that? And then in Jesus, the love of God is consummated. And we became his. Glory to God. So that's what the Bible says. He said, who worship God? Now, you have to understand that you are the circumcision force. That is, you are already born into the spirit and truth. You belong to him. Who worship God in the spirit? Ha, Apostle Paul understood that revelation. Who worship God in the spirit? So can you see now that it's by the spirit? By the Holy Ghost. He gives you a song to sing. That song he gives you to sing is called spiritual songs. The ones he has given people to sing before, it became hymns. Amen. And they were written for us to be sung. And then the one that he has given before, it became psalms. And they were also written for us. All those songs that psalmist wrote, they were songs that came to him when he was distressed. Some of them, they were songs, he sang them as prayer. It's our default. He said, Who worship God in the spirit? Rejoice. You will not see who clap hands here. You will not see who sing songs here. He said, we just worship God in the spirit. That is our lifestyle. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I'll talk about that later. Worship God in the spirit. Number three. Did you get number two? What is number two? Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, worship is your default setting. And your lifestyle. Talk to another neighbor and say, worship is your default setting. And your lifestyle. Now talk to yourself. Worship is my default setting. And my lifestyle. Can you say amen? amen. Number three. Worship is expressed in words, action, not just songs. 
Worship is expressed in words, actions, and actions, not just songs. Worship is expressed in thoughts, in words, and actions. In thoughts, in words, and actions. Now, let me tell you this. Under the law, he didn't judge the thoughts of the people. He judged their heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? Under the law, hmm, you think that grace does not have standard. You are freed in grace. You can be flexible in grace. You don't have to be rigid. You don't have to be religious. Are you get what I'm saying? But that does not, that won't make you to become a charlatan that you take grace of God for granted. Are you getting it? So grace has standard. So if you read it, Jesus was talking to them when he was introducing grace. He said, you have heard that if a man commits fornication or adultery, this is how he should be handled. But I say unto you, under the grace, that if you think towards a lady, do you get what I just said? I don't want to go into the detail of that because that's not what I'm really, but I just need to let you know. That with your thoughts, you can commit a sin. Is that clear? Under the grace. But you see, if you are thinking towards somebody to commit a sin with the person, or you are thinking evil of somebody, under the law of Moses, it did not cover your thoughts. It only addressed your heart. If you have not done it, you have not committed. Can you see that grace is much more, is deep. Amen? And that is why God wants you to think well. It talks about you renewing your mind. Renew your mind with God's word. He said, don't be conformed to this word. Romans chapter 12, verse... Read from verse... Let's read from verse 1. He said, Beloved, I beseech you therefore that you present your body a living sacrifice. Kai! Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. So he talks about your body. Somebody say, my body. By the message of God, present your bodies. Your bodies. So, he's been talking about mortify the deeds of your body, take care of your body. Don't see your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't mess up with your body. Now, he said, only acceptable to. He said, present your body is a living sacrifice. It, it, what he's saying is, look, you bring sacrifice to God. Look, you don't bring sacrifice to God in the New Testament. You are the sacrifice. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are the sacrifice. Somebody say, I'm the sacrifice. Ha <laughs> ha! And you see, it's in worship that we are presented. We live a life presented to God as a sacrifice. You see, if you understand this thing, you will not toy with your body, your mind will be renewed, and your spirit will always be elated, on point. The word elated means on point. Praise God. Somebody say on point. And that's the life that God wants us to live. If we can live like that, bodies, living sacrifice unto God, which is a reasonable service, sacrifice holy, holy, living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is our, your reasonable service, our reasonable service. Look at number, number two, verse two. He says, and do not be conformed to this word, because he knows if you can control your body, you can tame your body, if your body can be a sacrifice unto God, if your body can worship God, all right? If your body can be holy, he said, and do not, so there's something to add, do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed. See, the first one as a result of the second one. The second one as a result of the first one. But if you look at it very well, if your mind is renewed, then your body will conform. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you can see the hand there, conjunction. So it means that one cannot do without the other. Is that clear? So verse 1 cannot do without verse 2. So how verse 1 can conform and be holy, all right, and then 
you know, be presented as a living sacrifice, not just being free from sin alone, your body not sleeping too much. If you are sleeping excessively, it's not glorifying God. You're, you get what I'm talking about. If you dress anyhow, it doesn't glorify God. Do you get it? Yes. If you look good, it glorifies God. So you take care of your body, you present it holy. Not just somebody toiling with your body or something, something. Not just that alone. That's part of it. And a living sacrifice. Look at it. So that God can walk through your body. There is no minister of God that God has ever used that he did not use their body. Even Jesus needed a body when he came. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus needed a body. Look at it. He said, and do not be conformed to this world so you can be conformed. You can be, you can, you can be conformed to this world that you don't know that you're a living sacrifice and you are living like a dead sacrifice. A dead sacrifice will be doing dead works, will be traditionalistic, religious, carried away by all the laws and rules and regulations, thou shalt not, thou shalt do. Dead works. And he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So it means that when you are transformed, the Holy Ghost will tell you what to do. And then when he tells you what to do, do you obey easily because your body is now a living sacrifice. And then you are just to his dictate. Are you still here? Somebody say, I'm a living sacrifice. Say, holy and acceptable unto God. Say, that's my reasonable stewardship. If you believe that, can you say amen? amen? So worship is expressed with words, action. But you see, that action is wired by what is in our mind. It's beyond a song. Colossians chapter 3, let's read from verse 16. One of the things that can help us. When it says renew your mind, this is it. Let's read it together, verse 16. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. One, two, three, go. Let the word of Christ dwell in, your, in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Can you see singing comes last? Can you see that singing comes last? How did we start? We received the word of God into our spirit. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. You read the word in the morning. You read it in the evening. Alright? You meditate it during the day. You, let the word, you keep the word in your heart. I wish I can come and talk about how you can respond to the world. Those who did Communion Academy, the new curriculum, they were taught about five ways to respond to God's word. All right? You keep the word in your heart. You keep ruling it. There is always a hit scripture, a revelation, like you have a hit track. When you read a chapter, there is something that God will just flash in your spirit. You keep it in your heart. Particularly concerning the situation you are going through. It's a word of God for you at that moment. Hmm. And let the word dwell in you richly. Let it be balanced diet. Don't hear more about Bible morning than you hear about Bible holiness. Amen? Let it balance diet. Richly. Appropriate proportions of every vitamin of the word, protein of the word, carbohydrate of the word, and all that. So that you won't have spiritual diabetics. Amen? Of course, complications. In all wisdom, teaching and admon- listen, teaching and admonishing one another the word. But he said, in teaching and admonishing one another, he said, in psalms. So you teach songs. 
in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He said, when it is taught, you can sing. Did you get it? Somebody said, I received the word. When it is taught, you can sing. That's why believers' meetings are teaching meetings. Primarily. Jesus, all the Jesus meetings in the scriptures, they are teaching meetings. When it starts, it's when God tells him to stop. You think he ends here? He said, singing with grace, we will get there. You see, actually, singing part of worship is like a product of many things that will have happened. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's an overflow. When we come together to sing like this, it's an overflow. You have been singing in your rooms. In fact, there was a place where Paul told people, he said, come with, a, a, with psalms when you are coming. You come with parchment, you come with psalms, come with this, come with that. So it means that it's a private lifestyle of the people. So iron sharpens iron. So when they come together, there is a song somebody has been singing. For you to be singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, and the whole thing goes global. You know why? It's from somebody's privacy. The songs are not born in the public. Songs are given in the private. And it's an overflow of what is your intimacy with God. And you don't have to be a choir member to receive a song. Psalms and hymns are for believers. Somebody say, Psalms and hymns are for me. In fact, choir members may not have a song if they don't have the spirit. <laughs> not that choir, do you, man? So you see, spiritual songs, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. How many of you have a song that, I mean, a, an album or a track that you just like, you know, for part time, that you just connected? It connects you easily. You can be easily overwhelmed with God's presence when that song is playing. And sometimes you put it on repeat. How many of you have those kind of songs? You have those kind of songs? And they are not secular songs, they are spiritual songs, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, Michael Jackson's song can be turning you on, and uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, Kini Komali can turn you, you understand? But we are talking about uh, the spiritual songs, that is what the world don't have. And that's why there are songs reign for a while and die. Spiritual songs doesn't reign for a while. It's eternal. Chai. Chai. You are mighty. If you hear this song, the, the direct, the direct, the person who sang it, if you hear it directly, this power is still there. Long after Bolare will have gone, the power will still be there. That's what is called eternal, because it is spiritual. Secular songs in the 80s, 70s, you don't hear them again. The ones you are hearing now, you will soon stop hearing them. Even the one you call evergreen, by the Mobe and you see Jesus inside. Did you see Jesus inside? Uh, some of them were even religious that time. They were really, that's why they eventually turned to evangelists, turned to this, turned to that, because they've always been religious. Unlike now, the secular, both artists and songs will disappear with the songs. I'm not joking. Even the, the movie, secular movie, they don't reign. Go and watch Monsayon's old movie, even whether it is theologically balanced or not. You will still be learning one or two things inside it. Because they are born from the womb of the Spirit. Child, you are born of the womb of the Spirit. You can't sing the songs of the heading. Are you getting what I'm saying? Somebody say, I have a life-giving Spirit. 
Say, I am full of the Holy Ghost. Say, I sing the songs of the heavenly. I sing the songs of the Spirit. Do you know it's not only songs you sing? You speak the words of faith. You don't sing a wrong word. You don't sing a negative word. You don't talk negative words. Because when we talk about songs, we are talking about lyrics. Lyrics that is born of the Spirit, that is by Blica, given by the Holy Ghost. But if you are not filled with the Word, it will be difficult for God to compose through your spirit. God wants to make your body not just a temple, but a studio. <laughs> and you don't have to know stunning so far. You don't have to know how to sight read. For if you can just read the revelation, you can just see the lights. And you get what I'm saying? You don't have to be a Beethoven, a Mozart of this world, a blah, 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 for God to move through you or Handel. Glory to God. You are Ireti. Ireti is different from Handel. Amen? But Ireti in the spirit, full of the world, sounds will pop out. There are certain battles you will not win with words. You only win them singing. Is in the scripture. That's why most of the songs of David were psalms. They were sung. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city and the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. You know the situation he was in for him to be singing that? The joy of the whole world. Now, these were documented. But do you know that when Paul was writing, Paul knew he shouldn't end with psalms. He shouldn't end with hymns. Hymns are songs that were given to people and they were moved in any situations and they wrote it. Like, for example, It is well, it is well with my soul. If you hear the story of the person who composed that song, he lost everything. He lost everything. Go and hear that story. He lost everything and that song was given to him. It is well, it is well with my soul. You can find yourself in a situation and that's what you are singing. You don't have to sing it ten and say, so do so see la la la. You are wasting your time. In the song of the spirit, he comes anyhow. Glory to God. He could just come. You just burst out. It's from a gushers within you. Because the situation needs to conform. You don't need to conform to the situation. The situation needs to conform to the truth of the gospel. And it comes out as a song. You remember Jehoshaphat? God told them, gather spiritual choir. Not just choir. Because if choir sings, you can be killed at the battle. But this choir knew the Lord. They have us. They have a spirit. You know, you know, they were told in the prayer. In the prayer, they declared a fast. And in the prayer, God said, gather choir. You are going to sing. The battle is not yours. It is mine. There are certain battles you are going through. You just need to hear God and He gives you a song to sing. Look at what it says in verse 17. Can you pray in the Holy Spirit? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Ha, we are going to worship. We are going to sing songs now. But I want your spirit to be connected. You are not a you are not a cheat. You are not you are not a second child. You are not a second class child. You are not a step child of God. There is nothing like that. You are a child of God. You have the spirit of God. You cry, Abba Father. You minister to Him in spirit and truth. 
In Jesus' name we have prayed. You are glorious, so glorious in your way. Sing, you are glorious, so glorious in your way. What comes to your mind when you sing a song that is merciful? You have done bad, 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 bad things. And yet you come to the throne of grace and say, Father, my spirit cries to you. This is a weakness. Only you can deal with it. Only you can, only you can handle it. And the sun came from your spirit and you say, You are merciful. Hey, so merciful. We sing, You are merciful, Father. You are merciful. You are merciful. Listen to me. Do you know that? Do you know that you may not hear the sound of the keyboard? I worship to the point that God opened my eyes. I saw that there are angelic orchestra in the spirit. The angels that handle harps, handle keyboard, handle, handle all kinds of sand. All kinds of sands. All kinds of sands. You find yourself in a situation. You find yourself in a situation. <laughs> oh, my God. Amen. Just stay there. We're going to preach together. You know, you find yourself in a situation that is so shameful. What is the opposite of shame? What is the opposite of shame? Glory. Child. It's so shameful that you said you are ashamed of yourself. And the song that came out is that, Oh Father, you are glorious. You are glorious. You will take glory. You will take glory in this situation. You are glorious. You are glorious. You know that Jehoshaphat was supposed to be destroyed. And the Judah, three nations, and God took glory. God gave them a song. What song did God give them? He said, the Lord is merciful. He's good. And it's merciful. And it's mercy endures forever. That's what they were singing. And the people started seeing the nations destroying themselves. You are glorious. When you feel weak, you say, You are mighty. So mighty. Listen to me. You so feel spiritually weak. You can pray. You wake up, you are, you are sick. You wake up, you are weak. You sing, you sing. You are mighty. You are mighty. Do you know you can take, you can do a business and you 
lost money. You can make a decision and you lost something. And you realize you have been foolish. And they come up in your spirit. And you think, God, only you, you are wise. And I can only be wise in you. You confirm the wise with your foolishness. And then you think, you are wiser. So wiser in 